Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. I want to say a few months ago, but it's not been a few months. It's probably been about seven or eight months now. But about seven or eight months ago, my daughter um, invited me to join her at her personal trainer. Um, and for those of you that don't know what that is, go find one. Seriously. But, uh, yeah, you know, you go, and I hadn't been to the gym in, in quite a while. And so I said, okay, I'll go with you. So I went with her, and we went to, to her trainer, who's just right here uh, in the next city over. And uh, I, I met the young man who was her trainer. And I thought to myself, well... I will show this young man that uh, even though I happen to be just a couple of years older than he is, that I've still got it. And I was determined to be impressive, if not to him, then certainly to myself. So the first thing that he does is he takes me, and they have these things called battle ropes, and they're, they're two big, heavy-weighted ropes. And, and he said that what I need to do is grab the end, no problem, had a good grip on them, and then you just start doing like this with those ropes. Well... I I knew in my heart that I was not going to let him see me sweat. So I took those ropes and I was just going on and on and on with those ropes. And I had no idea that every ounce of energy that I had was going into lifting those ropes up and down for about 30 seconds. I mean, literally 30 seconds and I was done. Fortunately, he had mercy on me and he said, okay, that's enough. So the next thing he says is we're going to go over here and he's got these two 20-pound dumbbells on the floor. And he says, I want you to pick those up and then from a standing position, you're going to put them to your shoulders and then lift them up above your head. And he said, if you have trouble lifting them up above your head, don't worry, just bend your knees a little bit and give it yourself a little push. And of course, in my mind, I'm saying to myself, I'm not going to need a little push. I mean, this is... You know, 40 pounds, that's like less than a sack of rice. I can do this, no problem. So I pick up those dumbbells, and I'm standing right here with them, and I'm thinking to myself, I am about to die. Because they were so heavy. And so I lifted them up and put them to my shoulder, and I tried very, very hard with a straight face to push them up above my head, and I barely got them the first time. The second time, I thought, I'm going to follow instructions. And so I bended my knees, and I gave myself a little push, and I got them up the second time. The third time, no go. It just wasn't working. And I was up here, and they were above my head. And I wasn't looking, but I could see the mirror across, and I could see my hands doing this. And I knew in my heart that if I did not stop, I was going to drop those weights and crush my skull. And so I said, nope, I'm done. Put my hands down, and I said I needed a break. And it was at that moment that my pride completely surrendered, and I knew that all of those years of paying for a gym membership and not going had finally caught up with me. Now, today we're not talking about being physically crushed under a heavy weight. But today, as we continue our series on soul detox, what we're going to be talking about today is how the weight of the world, the weight of the things that we live through in our lives, have the ability to weigh us down. And if we're not careful, 
If, if we start to think in our minds that we can do it on our own, that just like those weights were going to come crashing down on my head, the weight of the world can come crashing down on our souls. And so we started this series off talking about that. We started off talking about this idea that we are not a body that has a soul. We are a soul that has a body. And that might seem simple, but that paradigm shift is huge. Because this body that we are in is just a temporary casing. It's just the outer covering, but who we are is our soul. In fact, eventually the body is going to go away. But the soul remains. It stays there. And in the same way that many of us have had different elixirs and different um, uh, people who've given us advice over how to detox our body, living in this world, we also have to make time and to take the necessary steps to detox our soul. And for many of us, the heaviness in our heart, the heaviness in our souls is something that we've learned to live with every day. Uh, there was a, a study that was recently done, and what they found out was, was that in our population here in the United States today, there has never been a time where more people have been living with low-grade depression. Now, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm talking about this feeling that we have where you can't really describe it. You can't really put your finger on it. It's, it's like there's nothing really that you can say that's wrong, but there's nothing that you can say is absolutely right. And it just feels like that there's, like there's something missing. And this is amazing because in this time that we live in today, this is a time like no other in, her, in Earth's history. Imagine we can be anywhere in the world in a few hours. Anywhere in the world. We have never had such access to information and technology as we do today. When I was growing up, the amount of computing power that you would need on that phone that is broadcasting us live right now on Facebook would take up five or six of these rooms. And now we have it available in our hands. And yet with all that we have today, with the technology, the comforts in life that we have, there's still inside many of us a longing. There's an itch that we can't scratch. There's, there's something missing. And we're actually seeing that. We're actually seeing that in our culture today, there's a lack of hope, that there's a lack of faith, that people are walking around with a lack of optimism. And that for many people, maybe for many of you, that we walk around and we're really just existing, but we're not really living. And this isn't new. When we look throughout Scripture, we see the ancient King David, who was the king of ancient Israel, and, and he wrote down many of his thoughts as he wrestled with God. And, and one of the things that he said, he's, he wrote this, he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? And that, word, that phrase, cast down, is a phrase that means dejected. It means without hope. Sometimes it even has an inference of anger and frustration. And he's talking to his soul and he's saying, why is it that my soul is so dejected and so full of sorrow? Why is it that he, back then, the king, and many of us today, living in this modern, amazing world, 
that we still feel this heaviness in our soul. And so today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the reasons that we feel this heaviness in our soul. And and one of the big reasons that you and I feel this heaviness in our soul is because of the hurts from our past. That our soul is heavy from the hurts in our past. The prophet Jeremiah wrote this. He said, I remember my affliction and my wandering. The bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Now, he was saying that in his words, but in our words today, we remember the things in our lives that, man, we wish that we could have a do-over on. Right? We, we remember the, the things that, that happened, that we, we look back on them, and we wonder if there was something that I could have done different. Like, maybe you lost a job, and you think to yourself, man, if I had just worked harder, maybe it would have turned out different. Or you were in a relationship and that relationship was destroyed or it fell apart and, and now you wonder, man, what, what happened there? Maybe it was a bad financial decision that we made. Or, or, or sometimes it's even a missed opportunity. An opportunity that we had with a relationship or in finances or an opportunity to make our lives better and we missed out on it. And one of the things that we tend to do is that in those quiet times, in those times where the busyness around us starts to still, and we take a look at the landscape of our lives, one of the things that we have a tendency to do is to look back on our past and to look back on all those painful things and to wonder what I could have done and to dwell on them. And those hurts, they hang heavy on us. The other thing that, that brings weightiness, that brings this heaviness into our soul is not just the hurts from the past, but it's also when we have trouble in the present. There was a man and his name was Job. And for those of you who grew up in church, who grew up reading scripture, you know that, the, that Job was a man who went through deep afflictions, who had many, many trials in his life, deep trials. And Job, he writes this, he says, but now when trouble strikes, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. And some of us, we live through that right now. Some of you here, maybe some of you who are watching us online, are living with that right now. That you're in a situation that you, just, you say to yourself, man, I did not see that coming. I did not know that this was going to happen. That we look at the landscape of our life today and we say to ourselves, boy, I didn't think that life was going to be this way. Like we had plans. Like I thought by the time I was in my 20s, this is what my life was going to look like. By the time I was in my 30s, this is what my life was going to look like. By the time I was in my 50s, my 60s, that this is what my life was going to look like. And maybe we look around us and we we think that we're we're stuck in a horrible marriage or, or we're stuck in a bad job or we're stuck in a financial situation that there's just no way to get out of. And we feel overwhelmed. We've never before as a culture been in this mindset where we feel like there's so much to do and not enough time to do it. And so maybe many of you have gotten into this cycle that so many people in our culture have gotten into where we medicate ourselves at night to get to sleep and then we caffeinate ourselves in the morning to stay awake. And it just is a cycle that goes around and around. And we start to think we start to tell ourselves that this is just the way that life is. 
that this is just the way we have to live, that this is the way that it's always been, and this is the way that it's always going to be. And for some of us, we might even start to accept that that's just how it is. The third thing that weighs heavy on our hearts is this. Our hearts are heavy with anxiety about the future. It's not just the past. It's not just what we've experienced before. It's not just the present, the things that are happening around us. But I think for many of us, the thing that worries and weighs upon us more than anything else is our anxiety about the future. Now listen, even Jesus, even Jesus, who was God in the flesh, experienced that heaviness. The Apostle Mark, who was one of the people that wrote about the life of Jesus, he quotes Jesus, and this is Jesus talking, and he says this. He says that Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled, and Jesus said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And we get to this place where we're doing the same thing. Where we're worrying about tomorrow and today is passing us by. So we're worried about that thing that's going to happen, that maybe I might lose my job, or maybe I'm afraid that I won't get everything that I need to get done. And and we see that, man, my debt is increasing and my expenses are increasing and my income isn't going anywhere. And we start to worry and everywhere we turn, whether it's the past or the present or the future, everywhere we turn that there's just this heaviness on our soul. That there's something there that's bothering you, that's weighing you down. When I was in high school, and, and this is somewhat embarrassing, so you know, must know how much I love you guys for me to share this embarrassing story with you. But when I was in high school, I had this ridiculously huge wart right there on my finger. It was right there on the outside. And it was bad. It was ugly. It was just a horrible thing. And I tried everything to get rid of it. I tried creams, I tried ointments, I tried wrapping a string around it. I mean, there was no internet back then, so it was basically everything that every older person said for you to try to do, I did it. I went to the drugstore, I tried everything, and nothing would get rid of that thing. And I had come to this place where when people saw it, they couldn't not stare at it. And so what I would do is I would walk around literally every day with my thumb over the end of my finger. Every day. This is how my hand would be when I was walking around. In fact, even right now, a couple of decades later, this still still feels very comfortable to me. Because I had done it for so long. For years, I walked around covering it up. I would... I would go to meetings with clients or meetings with people, and, and when I reached out to shake my hand, I would, or to shake someone's hand, I would reach out with my hand like this and only at the last minute open it up to shake their hand. I kept it hidden. And I thought, after everything that I had tried, I thought, and I had accepted that this was just going to be the way that my life is, that I'm going to have this ridiculous thing on the end of my finger forever. And then one day, I was in the Philippines visiting um, relatives, and I went to my uncle, and my uncle was a dentist at the time, and, and uh, he, well, when he, yeah, he, when he was alive back then, and he was a dentist. And so I w- went to his office, and we were kind of hanging out there for a while, and he sees this thing on my hand. And he says, uh, you know, how long have you had that? 
And I say, I don't know, it's been around for a while. And he said, um, what did he say? He said, uh, we will cauterize it. <laughs> I'm like, what? He said, we'll cauterize it. I'm like, what's that mean? Well, I found out later because I had no idea what it meant. But apparently it means we're going to painfully burn it off. All right. So he, he had, I mean, you know, he, it's a dentist's office. So he had some stuff that he said was going to numb my finger. And when that needle went into my finger, it burned. And, but eventually he did, went in there with some type of a device. And he burned that sucker off and put a Band-Aid on it. And, and, and uh, you know, in between puffs of his cigarette, right? We're in his clinic. He's puffing on a cigarette while he's burning this hole into my finger. But let me tell you something. A couple of weeks later... All that was left was this tiny little scar. It was gone. And it's a little thing, but let me tell you something. The relief that I felt and this feeling that my life was going to be completely different now because I could do this again without being embarrassed, it was one of the most relieving, refreshing feelings that I've ever felt in my life. Over a stupid little ward. And it's the same thing that happens with us. And let me tell you something. There are things in your life that you think you've got to keep it that way. That it's just going to be like that way. That way for the rest of your life. That nothing is ever going to change. And I am telling you right now that God is telling you. That your life does not have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. You remember David, we talked about him in the very beginning. David says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Remember, we t- he said that at the very beginning. Now listen, when David's talking, who is he talking to? He's talking to his soul. He is talking to his soul and he's saying, soul, why are you like that? And then listen to what David says. David starts to preach to his soul. I mean, David gets up and he's getting ready to deliver a great sermon to his soul. And this is what David says. He says, listen, soul, put your hope in God. Your hope. Whose hope? His soul. He's talking to his soul and he's saying, listen, stop it. I know what you're thinking. You're downcast. You're dejected. Okay, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. In the same way that David was preaching to his soul, we have got to do the same thing. We've got to start talking to our soul and remind our soul of the things that we need to remember in order to let the heaviness that is in us release. So there are three things that we have to to preach to our soul. And the first thing that we're going to tell our soul is this, is that we have to remember God's faithfulness in the past. So when we start thinking about the hurts of the past, when we start thinking about the things in the past that bring about those feelings of anxiety and frustration and anger and sadness, what we have to do is we have to pivot not pivot, pivot. We have to pivot. We have to train our minds to pivot that when we start going down that path, we have to start thinking of God's faithfulness to us in the past. 
in um, Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah, he, remember we were looking at what he said earlier, and he says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. But look at what he does. That word yet is where he pivots. He was remembering the hurts of the past. He was remembering those things that was bringing him anxiety, that was bringing him heaviness in his soul. And then right there he pivots and he says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then when you start thinking of the hurts of the past, you have to train your mind. You have to remember that when those feelings and those those emotions and those thoughts come into your head, that you have to pivot. In the same way that the prophet pivoted, we have to do the same things. That is, when those thoughts creep into our mind, we pivot and we turn and we think about all of the times that God has come through in our lives. There's some of you here who, in your walk with Jesus, that there was a time where you experienced a severe medical issue. Something that had to do with your health. And you were in a place where you thought, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And you saw God come through and he turned it around. You need to look back on those times. On those times where you sent up prayers and and your prayers were answered and you didn't think that there was any possible way and out of nowhere the answer came. Sometimes you find yourself and you're driving around or or you're walking around and you hear a song. You hear a song that that meant so much to you, that really spoke to your heart, that that maybe you learned in church or, or, or you had been singing on the radio and you just felt something inside you that, yes, God was somehow communicating and, and talking to me through that song. Or maybe you sat in a place that looked like this in a church somewhere or a meeting somewhere, a small group, and, and you heard a message or you, you, you heard someone talking and, and you just knew that somehow God had arranged it so that that person who was talking was talking directly to you and was saying, hey, this is for you. Those are the things that we have to remember when, 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 when we start to think about the hurt in our lives from the past that we have to bring together. And listen, if you are a Christian here today, you have a responsibility to tell people when God does something good in your life. You can't just keep it to yourself. And let me tell you why. There are people who are sitting in this room today who are not Christians, who are new Christians. Maybe there's some of you who are watching us online or or listening to to this um, recorded on our website, and you're not a Christian. You who are Christians, may you need to get out there and let them know because it's your faith and God's faithfulness that you've seen in your life that is what they're going to use until they can see God's faithfulness in their lives. They need to hear about God's faithfulness to you. And it's your responsibility to talk to them about it. Look, the reality is, is that you and I can find a million reasons to look back in our past and to decide that we're just going to stay dwelling on the hurt and the pain. But we also have the opportunity to be able to push that aside and dwell and focus on, meditate on, think about God's faithfulness to us. 
So we can, we can cry out, we can um, remember God's faithfulness in the past, but also we can tell our soul to cry out to God in the present. Here's David again, and he says this, I pour out my complaint before him. And I love this because David complains. And I think some of us, especially if you grew up in church, if you grew up in a more conservative church setting, one of the things that we are taught to do is that God is the ruler of the universe, which he is. God was the creator of everything, which he is. And so we have no right to complain. But listen, God also said, not only am I the creator of the universe, but I am your father. And like any of you who have children know, one of the things you're going to have to get used to as a parent is your kids complaining. And God says, or, or David reminds us, that we can go to God with our complaints. That we don't have to be shy, that when something happens that we don't like, that we can go to him and we can say, I don't understand why this is going on. David says, I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. He says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. He cries out from the depths of his soul. He cries out. So part of our challenges, I think, and, and I've experienced this too, so I'm not just talking at you. I'm talking with you here. Sometimes I think we're afraid to be honest with God. I think that we say the things even in our prayers, in our thoughts. We don't allow ourselves to be honest with Him. That we'll only ask Him for the things that we think are right or, or we'll only think about uh, communicating with Him in, a, in the ways that we think are proper. And let me tell you something, that the most important thing that God wants from you in his, your communication with Him is He wants you to be honest. Because listen, He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what's in your thoughts. But when we make the decision to be honest with God and make that, that, that communication open with Him, it's easier then for us to be able to take those things that are in our hearts and to, to release them to Him. Scripture tells us to cast our cares on God. And if you've ever gone fishing, whether you've gone fishing with a pole or you've gone fishing with a net, man, when you cast, the one thing you want to do is you want to throw that thing as far away from you as possible. And that's what God is asking from us. He's saying, listen, cast it on me. Throw it as far away from you as you can. I am going to be the one to take care of it. Cast your cares on him. So I remember a little over six years ago, now about six years ago, when we started this church. And I thought to myself, man, I am just going to uh, do everything that I can to, to, to make sure that we are successful. And, and I prayed a lot, and I did everything that I did thinking I was doing the best thing uh, for the start of our church. And I got to tell you, I look back on it, and I made so many ridiculous mistakes. I did a lot of things wrong. I found out everything that you don't want to do when you're starting a new church. And... and um, I remember one day, and I, you know, me, when I think, I, my thinking happens in the car, and I remember one day I got into my car, and I just started to drive. I, I didn't have anywhere to go. I, I didn't have a destination. I was just driving. And, and I was driving around, 
And I was thinking about everything that was going on. And I just cried out to God. I was shaking the steering wheel and screaming and tears were running down my face. And I was, I was crying out to him because everything that I thought I knew to do, I did. And everything seemed to be turning out wrong. And I just released it all and gave it all to him. And after a couple of months of slapping me around and reminding me that he's the one who's in control here and not me, we got back on track. And, and, and it's a reminder to me. I think about that probably not as often anymore as I should, but I think about that all the time. That we can cry out to God with the things that are in us that when we don't have anything else, that we can cry out to him and that's what he wants to hear. And some of you might think, man, you know, God might get tired of me crying out to him. And I'm telling you, he doesn't like any parent. He doesn't. I remember my daughter is graduating from law school in May. But I remember her first year when she just started. She would come home after a day of school and she would just come into my room and she would just cry to me. Doesn't happen anymore. I wish it did. No, probably don't wish that did. But let me tell you something. In those moments when my daughter came to me, I was not angry with her. I was honored to be her father. I was honored that she came to me, that when things just felt like she didn't know anymore what to do, that she was, I was the one that, that she came to. And listen, that's just me. God is your father. And so when we make the decision, yeah, I'm going to cry out to you, listen, he loves that. He's honored by that. He wants to hear that. So we... We remember God's faithfulness in the past. We cry out to God in the present. But the third thing that we have to talk to our soul or to tell our soul is this. is We have to tell our soul to trust in God's power for your future. There was a, an event in the, in the uh, history of ancient Israel where the king of Israel, Hezekiah, he said this. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. And this was the prophet talking to him. And he says, listen, don't be afraid of the king of Assyria, the king that was trying to destroy them, and the vast army with him. He says, for there is a greater power with us than with him. And then listen to what he says. With him is only the army of flesh. But with us... Is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles? With Him is just people, but with us is God. See, what He's saying there and what, what God's telling us today is, is listen, when you're looking at the future, you got to keep in mind, don't forget that all they've got, the, whatever it is that's coming against you, all they've got is what they've got. But what we've got, is God in every situation. And so as we look to the future, we have to remind ourselves. We have to talk to our soul. We have to tell our soul, listen, the scripture tells us that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We have to tell ourselves that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside my body. He's in my mortal flesh giving me life. That if God is for me, then who can be against me? And so when we think, man, why is my soul downcast? When we start to feel that heaviness 
in our soul. We have to put our hope in God. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.